My days come to an end without hope. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 499. It is June 18th, but this podcast is for June 19th, 2016. Well, we continue the report today from Crossing Borders as it shares its work uh, in, the, in Mr. Kim's North Korea. We'll have a story today, some history, kind of a potpourri of articles about North Korea, and I trust that out of this somewhere you will find some things that need to be prayed about. I don't give you these weekly reports to depress you. Nevertheless, isn't it important that we know how our brothers and sisters are doing. And if that's depressing, then so be it. Some of them are depressed. Some of them are very joyful and hopeful. But it's not good enough just to say to them, get over it, trust in God. Um, Sometimes uh, we need a little more empathy than that. Ask God to break through. I'm specifically worried about our believers, our, our, our family. I understand there are many others there too, unbelievers going through the same kinds of things, and we want to pray for their salvation. But our family, our family is hurting, folks. Here's from Crossing Borders' annual report. There are approximately 200,000 North Korean refugees living in China. We estimate that at least 112,000 of these people are women who have been trafficked. Not just women, but women who have been trafficked. Many victims of trafficking are sold into forced marriages to Chinese men who are often poor and unable to fully support themselves. These relationships can be abusive, and the women face the ever-present danger of capture and repatriation. The children of these unions face unbelievable difficulties as their guardians are incapable of caring for them due to a lack of resources. Crossing Borders hopes to share the compassion of Christ with these children through the Second Wave program. This year, Crossing Borders was able to help 52 children of North Korean refugees. Most of the children in our care are given educational stipends. Others who do not have family require holistic care and are placed under the protection of local Christian caretakers. Thirty-one of these children spent four days at a retreat with our summer team last year. Our team's time with the children consisted of games and music, morning and evening Bible studies, sermons from a great guest pastor, and skit performances. Our 2015 camp had many firsts. It was the first time a number of students from a new sponsored location in China were able to attend our camp. It was the first time that we brought a a pediatrician who helped us get a clear understanding of how to address the children's medical needs and help maintain their general health. It was also the first time that we ran a career seminar for our high school students who are considering their future. Most of these students have never thought about career choices or the responsibilities they will have as maturing young men and women. A number of them face such challenges with 
hesitancy, anxiety, or reluctance. We understand that they're still in the process of learning to set goals. It's our hope that through the empowerment of the gospel, these children will have the boldness to take the next steps in becoming faithful young adults. Now, that's a great program, I think. Yeah, that's good. We're going to go back to timeline now. Remember, we were doing a timeline of the whole Korea thing. Now we're going to do a timeline of just North Korea since it began. 1945 is when Korea was divided into two parts, North and South. 1945, North Korea is under Soviet political influence. 1945 also, uh, Christians from form political parties. Did you know that? Christians got together and said, we've got to have some power here. They, they started the Christian Social Democratic Party, the Christian Liberal Party, uh, but both parties were soon suppressed. And you can figure that one out. 1945-1947, post-division Christian revival in North Korea. You remember there was one the turn of the century there in all of Korea, but it was in the north of Pyongyang. Now another revival. Communists arrest at that time religious leaders in 1946 in an attempt to end this resurgent faith. From 46 to 50, Christians in the north begin fleeing to the south. Those who remain are executed en masse prior to the beginning of the Korean War. 1946 again, a massive population of Christian believers, even following the divide of the Koreans, resides still in the north at that time. With growing anxiety regarding the large population of believers, control and suppression of the Christian community becomes a communist party focus because of its size and differing political views. Not the first time that's happened in history, right? The government establishes the Federation of Christians. This body requires, by law, registration of all Christian believers under the threat of arrest. The Federation marks those who refuse registration as followers of illegal organizations and begin the process of confiscating and secularizing church property. All that in the mid-40s. 1950, the Korean War, from 50 to, uh, well, 1953 was the Korean armistice. You know, the, the war is not over officially. They still say there's a war going on. But from 1950 to 1980, little is heard of Christianity in the north. The country is largely isolated from the world. We just don't know during those years a whole lot of what was going on. But in 1977, Juche replaces Marxism in the North Korean constitution. It's a cult of personality founded on Kim Il-sung. Juche is the North Korean nationalistic philosophy of self-reliance. Looks a whole lot like communism, but it's not totally communism. Into the 1980s, news of existing and active North Korean House churches is reported by organizations in North America and in Europe. 1988, 
North Korea announces the construction of a Roman Catholic and Protestant church for religious use. That's North Korea, the government. It's acknowledged, however, that these churches are government-organized institutions with approved personnel assigned to positions within its structure. The funny, oh, it's not funny, but it, it will bring a smile if you ever go there and attend a Catholic service, and then you run down the street later on to attend the Protestant church, and you'll find some of the same folks there doing, doing the leadership in those groups. 1995, 1999, not just leadership, but membership, people in the pews, they're all actors when you go to those churches. It's all a big act. 1995 to 1999, North Korea's historic famine. It was estimated that 3.5 million North Koreans died of starvation during that time. It's estimated 140,000 to 300,000 North Koreans fled across the border into China, flooding plagues the nation's agriculture for five years. We come to 2010. North Korea opens the Pyongyang University of Science and Technology, which is supported strongly and staffed. Get this now. I, I ran into this a few years ago staffed by Christians from the United States and South Korea. Of course, teachers are strictly forbidden from evangelism, but they are Christians teaching in a major educational facility in North Korea from 2010. And 2010 to 2016, North Korea retains first place on the Open Doors World Watch list of countries with Christian persecution. It's still there today. You can go to Open Doors. I think it's .org. Not sure if it's that or .com. But go to Open Doors and you'll see that their top country for persecution in the world is North Korea and has been since 2012. Well, today in a population of 26 million North Koreans, 300,000 are estimated to be underground, therefore illegal, Christians. That brings you a little bit up to date on the history. Let's do another story. Art. Let's see. Yeah, North Korea has been at the top, as we just said, of North of Open Doors list of most persecuting countries for 14 years. Oh, what's that? 14 years straight. Christianity is almost non-existent in the nation of 25 million people. It's a lot of Christians there, but percentage-wise, it's pretty low. The allure to establish a beachhead in the country is, is great for Christians, particularly Christian missionaries, and many have. Today, Christian missionaries work quietly in North Korea. They own businesses. They run tour companies. They staff a university. But in order to be allowed to work in the country, missionaries must follow strict rules which include a ban on proselytizing and importing Christian materials. Christian workers operate discreetly in North Korea by the hundreds, but the government toes the line at both welcoming Christian missionaries and treating them with fierce suspicion. North Korea desires the engagement and cash that these missionaries bring, but is surgical about mitigating the risks that come 
with having these people in the country. North Korea is seen as a creative access country to most missions organizations. This means that missionaries must find a valid reason to be there, whether it's business or education. Most of these missionaries do not seek to actively share the gospel, but desire to pray with their eyes open. This is the primary draw to the Christian touring companies that work in the country. Hundreds of Christians go to North Korea every year to see the country and to pray quietly for the nation. Ben Torrey, the director of the Fourth River Project, once said on his website, we would like to encourage you to actually make a trip to North Korea and pray in the land. You can do it. That is, if you have a non-South Korean passport. Cram Tours is a tour company based on the Rajin Sonbong region of North Korea that wants to encourage believers to come in, see and experience North Korea firsthand, and pray for the nation. It's perfectly safe, really. You don't need to worry about getting into trouble. North Korea reportedly knows that these Christians enter the country in order to pray. So I'm not revealing any deep secrets here. It's no secret that other businesses are funded by churches. After you talk to your pastor, please reach out to us at a North Korean official when concluding a meeting about potential business opportunity in North Korea. Church funding had never even been mentioned, a missionary president during the discussions told us, but they, they know, right? They know. Though sources of funding are never explicitly discussed, North Korea knows exactly where the funds are coming from. They know that churches are motivated to reach them with the gospel, and they use this desire to their advantage. These businesses hardly ever turn a profit. Factories which cost millions to build often close for weeks without a reliable source of electricity. Workers often show up with nothing to do. Missionaries wanting to start businesses in North Korea do not fear the loss of millions of dollars, much of which ends up lining the pockets of top officials, according to experts. But there's a more insidious danger, arrest and detention in the world's worst prison camps. North Korea minders watch these missionaries' every move. Any breach of these rules, real or perceived, can land one in a prison camp where they can be used as international bargaining chips to receive food or cash. The regime also gains from detained missionaries because the U.S. and other countries often send high-ranking officials to negotiate their release. Kenneth Bay spent more than two years in a North Korean prison. He was arrested for having Christian material on his laptop. The North Korean government claimed that he had been incarcerated on charges of attempting to overthrow the government by proselytizing. When Bay emerged from prison, he was noticeably gaunt. The U.S. government denies giving North Korea cash for Bay's release. Instead, the U.S. sent the Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper. In the past, the U.S. has sent former Presidents Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter, to bargain for the release of detained Americans. The North Korean government has used these visits to convey to its people how powerful they are in the world. 
And when the U.S. and other countries barter for money, it goes to feed a cash-strapped system looking to gain foreign currency. That's why many critics question the strategy of these missionaries who risk life, limb, and millions of dollars to work in North Korea. Many point to the money it takes to do business in the country going into the hands of the nuclear nation. Missionaries have told us they see it another way. And they see their time, money, and prayers as a seed for something greater. Christianity in North Korea. They argue that Christianity, not democracy, is what the country needs the most. Well, the church has had to wait hundreds, sometimes thousands of years to gain a foothold in both China and on the Korean peninsula. While South Korea remains a strong outpost for the faith, many wonder when North Korea will again allow Christianity to be practiced in its borders. The church has long awaited an opening in the dark, enigmatic country. Some see these businesses as an important step to bring the light of the gospel to its people. Yeah, it begins with prayer, doesn't it? My friends, it's a perfect place to, to leave you today. I know you have something to pray about now. And God bless you. Tomorrow we'll go back, or that is Monday, if, if you're listening on Saturday. Monday we'll go to the book of Numbers again. Some questions and answers as we continue our trek through the Bible. Asking some interesting and sometimes difficult questions. And hopefully giving answers to them. I started in Job 7-6. My days come to an end without hope. I don't know that any believer could truly say that, but you as a believer have, have had days, haven't you? When you felt there was no hope, try to imagine being in North Korea, seeing all that you've seen for maybe many years in your life, and you're in a prison camp. And as far as hope of release, hope of having a good diet, having clothes on your back, uh, uh, that kind of hope has vanished. You say, well, but they have the hope of heaven. Say it to yourself, my friend, when things start going wrong. It's not fair what you're thinking. It's not fair. No. We want them to have all kinds of hope in Jesus Christ, don't we? We'll talk again soon. God bless you.